Thank you, Grace. This morning, if you'll turn your Bible to John chapter 10, let me encourage you to bring your Bible each Sunday. If you don't have one, there should be one in the chair or pew in front of you. Open the Word of God. Let Him speak to your heart. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. This morning, I'm going to be preaching on one of the uh, I am statements of Jesus. Pastor Ermal Berdini has been preaching this series down in the children's church, and he asked me some time ago when I finished the first series I started in January if I would go along with him. And so your children are learning these same passages. So let me encourage you to sit down with them and talk to them and ask them questions because this is a great opportunity. You're studying the same thing they're studying. And so uh, they have a couple of Sundays ahead of us. So when I get done, I'm right on with him today. So you can discuss today. But when, I, when they get done, I still have uh, two more Sundays to catch up to get back up with them. So uh, we are in John chapter 10. And this week, while I was preparing, I came across a, a wonderful devotion by Chris Jordan. And it's entitled, Have You Seen My Joy? Have You Seen My Joy? And this is what Chris wrote. He said, uh, a little girl once went to visit her grandmother in the country, and things were fine until Sunday. This lady went to a very old-fashioned church that kept the Sabbath by forbidding all kind of work, fun, and playing. The little girl woke up Sunday and started right off playing and laughing as little girls do. And her grandmother immediately rebuked her for breaking the Sabbath. The little girl quieted down. She went to church and then later she went for a walk out by the barn. She went over to an old mule, droopy-eyed, sad-faced, long-eared mule, she looked at that mule, she looked at that mule, she looked at that mule, and after a while she said, Mr. Mule, you look like you go to my grandmother's church. <laughs> well, beloved, let me tell you, church should be fun. We have a good time here. Do you know that people who don't go to church think Christians have no, no fun? Well, y'all know I have more fun than anybody, all right? We should be having fun. The title of my message this morning is The Abundant Life Promised by Jesus. The Abundant Life Promised by Jesus. Now, look with me in verse 10. Verse 10 is the key verse. If you have your own Bible, you ought to write key out beside it. Or you can just, if you're an artist, you can draw a key. And that way you know that this is the key verse for this passage. Let's read it together. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Look at that. You ought to highlight that. The series that I'm going to share with you is this series of the I Am Statements. And what I want to try to get across to you is that we can trust Jesus, our Savior. We can trust our Savior. Now, notice the theme as I read it to you. In life, we face so many threats every day. 
threats to our finances, threats to our family, our marriages break, breaking up, children and parents fighting nonstop, our jobs are full of chaos, children and parents fighting with no peace in our homes. And Jesus says, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I bring life beyond your, what does it say, beloved, dreams. In this passage, a great drama is taking place. Presented as a life of peace and safety and the presence of the Lord. It is compared with a life of death and destruction. We see there is an unknown foe who is seeking to get in. And in this text, the Bible says the unknown foe is a thief, a robber. So this morning we have this great drama that is taking place. A worldwide study of 90,000 people, now that was some big study, showed the 10 richest countries in the world also had the highest rates of depression. Now how can that be? How can the 10 richest countries in the world also have the highest rates of depression. The United States had the second highest rate of depression, exceeded only by France. This tells us that joy and happiness aren't dependent on wealth and circumstance. Those who have the most reason to be joyful are often the most depressed. This morning, I want to share with you some wonderful lessons about this abundant life that Jesus is offering. Now, notice your outline, point number one. Point number one, Jesus cares for his people. Point number one, Jesus cares for his people. Now, look with me in verse 7 of chapter 10. It says, so... Jesus again said to them, truly, truly. Now, if you have your Bible, you should highlight that because he is repeating himself and he's saying there's a truth that I want you to know. He's saying, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, this is that first I am statement that we're going to look at today. He says, I am the door of the sheep. Notice he said, I am the door of the sheep. We'd say, I'm the door of the sheep pen or sheep corral. But Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. Look at verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Look at verse 9. I am the door. You should highlight that. If anyone enters by me, he will be, what's it say, beloved? Saved. You'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, sheep need pasture. That's where they get everything they need. They need a good meal. They need some good water to drink. They need a nice place to lay down. This is where he leads them. So he says here in verse 9 that if you 
enter by him, you will be saved, and you will go in and out and find pasture. Now in verse 7 and verse 9, you see that he says the door twice. In these verses, we see that Jesus' sheep, that's what I call them. You want to write that down on your on your your outline today or in your Bible, Jesus' sheep. You see, they're sheep that don't belong to Jesus. They belong to Satan. Those are Satan's sheep. Jesus' sheep, listen to this, does not, they do not listen to thieves and robbers. Jesus' sheep only listen to Jesus. God knows our needs and he loves to supply them. Now look with me in John chapter 10 and look at verse 2. In verse 2 it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them by name. Beloved, he knows your name. He knows my name. He loves us. He calls us by name. He leads them out. Look at verse 4. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Notice that he leads the sheep. The sheep don't lead Jesus. You see, we have this false misunderstanding that the shepherd, he's just, he's just wandering around behind the sheep going wherever they go. That's not what happens. Jesus says that I lead the sheep, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Look at verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. G. Campbell Morgan, a great pastor, great writer, he wrote this in the Gospel according to John, page 177 on his commentary. This is what he wrote. He tells of a conversation he had with Sir George Adam Smith, who was a scholar who had spent much time in the Near East. Sir George Adam Smith told a meeting a shepherd there who showed him the fold where the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. And Sir George asked him, is, the, is that where you go at night? And the shepherd said, yes. And when the sheep are all there, they're perfectly safe. And Sir George said, but there's no door. And the, the shepherd said, I am the door. Isn't that amazing? He used the same words that Jesus used. He was not a Christian man. He was an Arab shepherd, but he was using the same language that Jesus used. He further explained. He said, when the light has gone... And all the sheep are inside. I lie down in that open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf can come in unless it crosses my body. He said, I am the door. Beloved, isn't that what Jesus said? 
Jesus said, I am the door. The message translates our key verse and this issue here. It says, I came so that they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what Jesus is saying when he says, I care for my sheep. Now, the second lesson I want you to see, look at your outline and look at point number two. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, you need to look at these three things. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, look with me in John 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, this is our key verse. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, look with me in verse 1 of chapter 10. In John 10, verse 1, once again, he says, truly, truly. You should highlight that. Look at verse 1. Truly, truly. And in verse 7, he says it again. Truly, truly. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a what, beloved? Robber. You see, there are people who are trying to get into the sheep pen that are not the shepherd. And they're thieves and they're robbers. You see, the Word of God sheds light that there is a spiritual battle going on between God and Satan and his angels, God and his holy angels. There is this spiritual battle going on And this spiritual warfare is being waged in an invisible world, but the results of it come into our physical world. Someone is trying to break in and steal, kill, and rob the sheep of God. Now, hold your place here in John. Turn with me to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 We see who this person is. In Job chapter 1, we get a glimpse of what is happening in this spiritual battle. Right now, we can't see it, but there are angels all around this church. There are angels in this sanctuary. They're watching over us. They have been given charge by God. Some of them might be here to heal someone. God has sent them on a mission. We can't see them. Out in that world out there, they're evil angels that belong to Satan. There is a spiritual battle going on. In Job chapter 1, look at verse 6. It says, Now there was a day. Beloved, be thankful. The sun comes up every day. And there's always a day. Today's a day, amen? But there was a day, notice what it says, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Beloved, what this text teaches us is that ever so often, 
God has what we had in the military call is an officer's call where everybody comes together and the commandant comes or the general comes or the colonel comes and he speaks to us. Everybody's there. All the officers are there. Everybody's there. And this is what's happening. God calls all of the angels together, the good, the bad, and he asks them what they're doing. He wants to meet with them. Now look what he says. They all come, and notice Satan comes among them. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. Beloved, he has been walking down your street. He's gone back and forth in front of your house. He's walked by our church. This is what it says. He says to God, I've been walking around and checking things out. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter gives us some great advice about what to do with this, with this angel, this fallen angel. Look at verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil. Now notice what he calls him. The devil is our adversary. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, what's it say, beloved? Devour. Now, you ought to write John 10 next to this. Because what did Jesus say? The thief is trying to come in into the sheep fold and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy and he wants to rob okay and notice what peter says he's seeking someone to devour look at verse 9 resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world in these verses back in verse 8 it says he he prowls He's roaring and he wants to devour. This is what Satan is doing. Satan is and always has been in the business of ripping off things that don't belong to him. Satan steals little by little, morsel by morsel, day after day, until finally people go, wow, what happened? You see, he takes a little here and a little there, and we don't notice him. And then the next thing, our life falls apart, and we have no joy, and we're not successful as Christians. And we go, whoa, what happened? And he's been stealing from us all along. Satan is even more craftier than the cyber thieves that we see today. It always amazed me as a police officer, I had written many, many reports about cyber theft and how they steal from people and how they, they target the senior citizens. I've written a lot, of, a lot of police reports. And let me tell you, if these people would just use their given smart and ability, they could be millionaires. I've never seen so many so smart. They do all this to get just something. And yet here they are, they're crafty. The, the devil, he doesn't need your house 
The devil doesn't need your car. The devil doesn't need your money. He's interested in stealing all of your spiritual treasure. That's what he wants. He wants to steal your spiritual treasure. He wants to take away your peace. He wants to make you depressed. He wants to keep you from serving Jesus. This is what he wants. He didn't want your house and the car. He gives you all those things so you'd be too busy to come to church. Turn with me back to John chapter 8. and Let's look at what Jesus had to say about the devil. John chapter 8. In verse 44, you need to write this down. It's not on your outline. In John 8, verse 44, this is what Jesus said. You are of your father, the devil. Now he's talking about the Pharisees. Your will is to do your father's desire. Beloved, right now, do you know that there are people in this world doing Satan's desire? That's right. We call them politicians. But there are people doing Satan's desire because Satan is their father. And they bought into all of his teaching and his philosophy of life. And Jesus says, you will do your father's desires. Notice what he says next. He was a murderer. Do you see that? You ought to highlight it. What is he? He's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of, what's it say, beloved? Lies. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Beloved, in Genesis chapter 3, we see who he murdered. In Genesis chapter 3, you're going to see his first lie and his first murder. And he's been doing it every day since. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3. It says in verse 15, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and we know that Satan was in this serpent... Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Look at verse 5. Verse 5, I'm reading 1 through 5, my bad. Verse 5, For God knows... That when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Beloved, in Genesis, God said, the day you eat of the fruit, you will die. You will die. Even though their death did not occur immediately, Satan murdered Adam and Eve and every last one of us. We're all going to die. My mother died two weeks ago. Y'all know that and thank you for all your cards. It's because of Satan. Right here in Genesis. He is a deceiver. He is a murderer. He's a liar. 
Satan uses deceit to murder them, and he uses the same means today. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. While you're turning there, let me tell you the story. Satan is going to be bound, and he's going to be put in hell. And for a thousand years, Jesus is going to reign on earth. Can you imagine that? The king of kings. You think it's a wonderful place, right? Jesus is in charge. There'll be no sickness. People will live a thousand years and not die. Jesus is in charge. All the angels will be present. They won't be hidden like they are now. All the things of heaven will be seen. And then look what happens. In chapter 20 and verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be leased from his prison and will come out to, what's it say, beloved? Deceive the nations that are on the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them for battle. And their number is like the sand of the seas. And they march up over the broad plain of the earth. They surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were tor will be tormented day and night forever and, what does it say, ever. Now get the picture here. Jesus is ruling, and Satan is released, and he goes out and he deceives the nations of the world to rebel against Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? Yeah, I can believe it because I watch our country today and I watch how they, they push these ungodly principles and lifestyles on us. They are Satan's lifestyles. And if this could happen when Jesus is in control, imagine what Satan can do when Jesus is not in control. He is a deceiver. He is a murderer. Now turn back with me to John chapter 10. So we saw I am the door. And look at verse 11 of John chapter 10. And we see the second I am that we're going to look at today. In verse 11 he says, I am the what? The good shepherd. You should highlight that. Notice what he says. The good shepherd lays down his life for, for the sheep. He compares that with verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Look at verse 13. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So we see in this second point, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And now we compare it with the good shepherd who's willing to die for the sheep. Now turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 23. You ought to write this down. It's not on your outline. Jeremiah 23. The prophet Jeremiah writes from verse 1 and 2 these wonderful words. He says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock, you've driven them away, you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you in your evil deeds, declares the Lord. You see, there are some shepherds that use the sheep for their own benefit. There's some shepherds that are not shepherds. They're false shepherds. Obviously, Jesus was not talking about the godly men like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He's talking about these selfish people like the Pharisees. They were not godly shepherds over Israel. They were like these false shepherds that we read about in Jeremiah 23 verses 1 and 2. Now notice in your outline point number 3. Point number three, the next lesson is this. Jesus is gathering people. Today, today, with the coronavirus and all that's going on, and worrying about who's going to be the next president, Jesus is gathering people. People are getting saved. People are becoming part of his flock. Look with me back in John and look in verse 14. Here he says, I am the good shepherd. Here it is again. You ought to highlight it. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I have known the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. You ought to highlight it. He's got other sheep that are not of this fold. That's you and me. He's talking about the Gentiles. You see, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to Jewish people. And he said, hey, I've got other sheep. I've got other sheep, and I'm going to bring them in because there's only going to be one fold and one shepherd. So let's look at it again. Look at, look at this. In verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And notice they will also listen, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be, what does it say, beloved? One flock. How many flocks? One. One flock. How many shepherds? One shepherd. Look at verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. Now I want you to see that Jesus is our threefold shepherd. Turn with me to John 11. Look at John 11. He's the good shepherd. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. What does a good shepherd do? Gives his life for the sheep. So for the first shepherd, he's the good shepherd. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews 13 verse 20, he is the great shepherd. All right? We've had the good shepherd who gives his life. In Hebrews 13, 20, we have the great shepherd. Let's read it. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great, what does it say, beloved? Shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see, the great shepherd died and rose again. He laid his life down and he picked it up. He said, I have the authority to do both. He said, I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to pick it up. 
I have the authority. Now, authority is important. And so the, the great shepherd is the shepherd that rose again. And then the third, the chief shepherd, is found in 1 Peter. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, we have the chief shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, 4, it says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Beloved, do you see this? We got the good shepherd who, who uh, he dies for the sheep. Then we have the great shepherd who rose again. And then we have the chief shepherd who's coming again. And we will have crowns and reign with him forever. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and look at verse 6. In Ephesians 3 verse 6, the scripture says this. This mystery, it's a mystery, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, the mystery is that Gentiles and Israelites become one. One flock. A mystery. It's a mystery. Thank God that we are part of that one flock. The scripture says in John chapter 10, verse 16, there is one flock and one shepherd. How can Jesus do that? Now turn back with me to John chapter 10. How can Jesus do this? And it's based on this point. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. How can he do it? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Here it is. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. You see, this is how he does it. He got the authority. I don't have the authority. You don't have the authority. Who has the authority? Jesus. He's got the authority. He said, I have the authority to lay my life down, and I got the authority to take it up again. Some time ago, many, many years ago, a gentleman was taking holiday in a rural, rural district, and he came across a little boy minding the sheep, keeping the sheep. This man entered in a conversation with the little boy and asked him if he knew the 23rd Psalm. The little fella answered, no. The man said, well, then let me teach you the first sentence. And the gentleman said, say after me these words, thee. You can help me out? Say after the thee. Lord, Lord is my shepherd. Little boy repeated the words just like you did. Man looked at him. He says, now this time, let's count our fingers and let's say the word. The Lord is my. He said, when you get to that word, you hold on. He's your shepherd. You hold on. He's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. He said, you hold on and don't ever let go. Little boy came home that night, told his parents what this man had taught him. They all went around the table, did the same thing, held onto his finger. Sometime later, there was a great snowstorm. This little boy was lost. After the storm, they went out and they found him. And all the sheep had died, and he had died right next to them. 
And when they uncovered him in the snow, guess what? He was holding this finger just like this. Just like this. The pastor that did the funeral preached in another town. It was a very special meeting they had. And so the mayor of the district came. And he heard the pastor tell the story. How this little boy had learned the first words of the 23rd Psalm. And how they had found him in the snow that day holding on to his finger. And the mayor was a great man, kind man. He was great towards men, but he wasn't great towards God. Sometimes later, he became ill and he died. And when they came in in the morning and they found him in his bed, guess what? He was holding on to that finger. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Wow. Wow. Is he your shepherd? Is he really your shepherd? You see, this is what's so wonderful. It's not in vain that this man stopped by and he talked to this little boy and taught him this little thing. He said, you hold on when you get to that word, my. It wasn't in vain when the preacher preached the, the, the service and this mayor was there. He died shortly after. Beloved, it's not in vain that I tell you this story today. Is he your shepherd? The Bible says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Let's pray. Precious God, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us that we can have an abundant life, a life greater than we ever thought. And yet Satan comes and he tries to convince us that his life is what's really important. And all Satan brings us is pain and guilt and shame and misery. Friend, if you're here today and You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Let me just talk to you for a moment. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that we are all sinners. Every one of them. Every one of us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of the story. You see, God loved us so much, He sent His Son to be the great shepherd the chief shepherd and the good shepherd. He died. He said, I have the authority to lay my life down. I've got the authority to pick it up. In Romans 10, verse 13, it says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Today, God is speaking to you about having a relationship with Him. Would you make that decision? Would you make that decision right now? Why don't you pray a little prayer like this? Just simply say, Lord, I feel you moving in my heart today. I want to confess my sins to you. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Oh, Lord, please make me your child.
the Lord is my and hold on shepherd. Would you make that decision today? Christian, let me talk to you. Is Satan stealing your life? Is he taking away your joy? You can trust Jesus. He said, I have come that you can have abundant life. Why don't you ask God to forgive you of the sins that are holding you back, that are causing you such pain? Ask him to forgive you and restore you. That's the great thing about God. We think, oh, well, we've, we've done too much. He could never love us. He'll never take us back. That's not true. That's the lie of Satan. He murdered us all. He murdered Adam and Eve. He deceived them. He's still doing it today. Don't let him deceive you. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you live the life that he wants you to live. To be the woman, the man, the boy, the girl that you should be. Lord, hear the prayers of your people today. Bless us. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.